prayers. I appreciate all the texts. I appreciate all the concern that you showed me and Aaron in this time of uh, loss that we had. I appreciate it. I love you all very much, and, and I'm so thankful for such a great congregation to be a part of. I see some guests. I'm glad that you're here. We've got protection in the building, so we've got police protection. We've got fire. We've got ambulance. We've got everything you need right here. So if in case we have any type of emergency, we are taken care of at Fountainhead. And we got Sean in the back, so <laughs> we got it all covered. We got bodyguards. We got everything. Linemen. No, I appreciate uh, the prayers, uh, Hester's. I appreciate y'all watching Isaac. I know that was probably a handful. But uh, anyway, this morning I want to, I'm, I'm really excited about this lesson and I just want to put in a plug for tonight. Um, I'm going to start a new series on the, the, the life of David. And I'm really excited about it. I, I'm, I've been, I've done this in class. We've done a uh, class at school on the life of David, and I've got some really good material, and I'm just excited to for us to get into it and dive into the life of David because he's such a great uh, man to look at, good and bad, and, and the way he handled situations. You know, it's really a, a, a powerful nickname to have to be called the man after God's own heart. You know, that's a really strong nickname to get. I wish I could have a nickname like that. I don't want to know if y'all have any nicknames for me, but <clears throat> this morning I want to paint two pictures. Y'all like my jokes? I was trying to be, trying to liven up the crowd a little bit, but now I want to get serious. This is, this is a uh, very uh, good lesson this morning also. I want to paint two pictures. I want to paint the first picture from the Old Testament. If you would, turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Two pictures. Two pictures that concern one main theme. And the main theme is living water. Last Sunday at the nursing home at Halltown, my buddy Adam, our brother in Christ who worships at Birdwells, he did a lesson on living water. And then as I was at school on Monday night, we came to this scripture in class, which was talking about living water. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11, I mean 12 and 13 is where we'll be at. And I thought, you know, I, I might as well just talk about living water because it just kept coming up and coming up. But I want to paint two pictures. A bad picture and a good picture. And the difference between those is the living water and how it's used. I want us to think about this scripture right here. You know, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was a man who preached and converted nobody. Think about that. Preached all those years and nobody would listen to him. That's pretty sad, you know it? As a matter of fact, he, he tells them in this area of scripture... Uh, God tells them to go into Jerusalem. And I want you to tell them some things. 
They were worshiping idols and they were doing things that were contrary to God's word. And they told him, you know, we did try to stop one time when you told us to stop doing these things. And when we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven, guess what? We started lacking stuff. We grew We had a famine. All of a sudden, we were at war when we listened to what you were saying, Jeremiah. And you know what? We're not going to listen to you. And look what God tells them. In verse 12, He says, Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That can hold no water. (laughs) He says, be astonished. Think about that word. Astonished. When you're astonished at something. And he says, oh heavens at this. Be astonished at this. These people don't want to follow me. The only person that could ever say something like that, here is God saying, can you believe it? Can you believe that my people don't even realize who I am and what I can do? Because at the end of that verse 12, he says, be horribly afraid. What have these people done? They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. What is the living waters? God and His Word. Without God, you have no life. Amen? And here were the people, as we're painting this picture... God's people who have gone through the Red Sea, who have had all these miracles happen in front of them for all these years. And what have they done? They have turned their own way and forsaken the living waters. Doesn't that sound familiar? Jesus in John 4 Verse 13 through 14. Look at this real quick. I've got some scriptures that I want us to flip to, but I will move quickly. But boy, I just want you to catch it, brethren. I want us to focus in on our lives. I want us to think about, keep your finger in Jeremiah because we will go back to it. But I want us to think about our lives. I want to challenge you to not beat yourself up. I want to challenge you to not say, you know what, every time I come in here, I just get beat down. No, I don't want that. What I want us to do is really think about our lives and think about where we're not right with the Lord and fix it and apply it and make ourselves better. Because, brethren, these folks in Jeremiah didn't do it, they didn't listen, it didn't matter to them anymore. Because guess what? It was about them. But Jesus tells the woman at the well in verse 13, Jesus answered and says to her, 
Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again when he's at the well. And then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Think about that. Whoever drinks the water that I shall give, that Jesus gives, will never thirst. You ever been thirsty? You ever wanted something to drink? You'd drink anything, wouldn't it? Me and Danny went to Burger King and they ran out of every single drink in the machine. We started out with Coke. Got up there to get a refill, we was out of Coke. Hey, dude, we out of Coke. What you want? Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper. We out of Dr. Pepper. What do you want? Uh, anything. <laughs> I'll take anything. I'm thirsty. So we got Cherry Coke. They had that. They had Strawberry Coke and Cherry Coke. I mean, I should have hit them with that strawberry. But <clears throat> he says, whoever drinks of the water that I give, he'll never thirst. And he'll, in him a fountain of water will spring up into everlasting life. Man, that's impressive. That's what Jesus gives us as Christians. Living water. God's people in Jeremiah's time had forgotten where their life came from. You know, we as humans, we need water to survive. Our brain is 60% water. Our, our, our lungs are 90% water. And each day we have to replace two and a half liters of water in our body. And if we don't have water, guess what? The blood circulation goes down. And then guess what happens? Your heart has to start pumping faster and faster and faster. And we all know what happens when that happens. The bottom line is we need water to survive. So the Lord gives us such a great analogy to think about. This water thought. He says, the people have forsaken me. The living waters. But look at what the second thing he says in Jeremiah 12. He says, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now think about that for a minute. I'm making y'all do a lot of thinking. You know, as I was doing this lesson, all in my notes, it was a think about, think about. But, but I really want you to think about it because I was thinking about it, obviously. Instead of using the water that flowed from the Lord or His Word, instead of using this water that He's providing, they dug out a cistern or a well for themselves spiritually. They dug out their own cistern. They dug out their own well. And guess what they said? You know what? Uh, we'll have our own water. We'll collect our own water in our own cistern. We don't need this water. Can you believe that? They had flowing, living water continuously. And instead of taking it, they take their own 
cistern. Man, what an application. They dug a place where they could put their own water. They turned to their own knowledge and made for themselves their own holding place for their own water. Man, what a selfish type of person. You know, I was watching TV the other day and I saw a commercial for a brand new show. You remember, you know the show probably a lot of you have seen. It's called House Hunters where they go and look at these houses and then they pick. Well, here's a new one. It's called Church Hunters. Tired of your old traditional church? Find a trendy new one that matches your style. In the promo, that your down there was huge. It was underlined. Everything else was not in capitals, but that was. That matches your style. What has happened? What happened to the people of God? They had forsaken him. They forgot who he was. And instead of turning and repenting and saying, you know what, I messed up. I'm not doing right. They turned and built their own cisterns. They made their own way to make their own water. But God tells them their cisterns can't hold no water. It can't hold any. I know you think it can. I know you don't want to listen to me. I know God's telling you to do something, but you don't want to. But it ain't going to work. Look at what they told Jeremiah. As for the word that you have spoken to us, in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. We know that you came and told us what God wants us to hear. We know that you came and told us that the Lord wants us to turn back and do right. We know that you told us all of these things, but guess what? They acknowledged it. And they said, we will not listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you. Point blank. I'm going to do whatever I want. Man, what a dangerous picture. What a dangerous picture to live in. I don't care what you say. It may be true, but I'm still going to do me. But the Lord said that there's a problem with that. Because the cistern that you build for yourself, that cistern and that well that you think is going to hold so much water, guess what? It don't. Because it's broken. I can do nothing without the Lord. He blesses me with jobs. He blesses me with food. He blesses me with a beautiful wife. He blesses me with kids. He blesses me with brethren. He gives me everything. But guess what? Do we realize it? 
And if we do, do our actions show it? Faith without works is dead. Just an old raggedy, broken cistern that you... Boy, I'd hate to try and build my own cistern. I couldn't even do it. It'd be the raggediest looking thing. But I don't even have to build one if I got the Lord. (laughs) I just go over and drink. I just get to go over there and drink. Now let me paint another picture for you. John 7. John chapter 7. Verses 37 through 38. I'm about done. Hang with me, y'all. Hang tight with me. Just hang with me. John 7, verses 37 through 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out. He cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Oh, man. Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart. It won't just trickle out. It won't just kind of pour out. It flows out like a river. Think about what Jesus is saying right here. When I come and drink the water that's living and I let it be inside of me and and begin to make it become nutritious in my life and make the things in my life better and better, out of me flows rivers of living water. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But I do want to read just a little bit. And I want us to pull our points from here. Three things I want us to consider on why drinking of the living water keeps us from turning to ourselves. Me and... uh, Billy Joe talked about this. You know, when you are baptized for the remission of your sins, you've tasted the living water. You've become a child of God. But that's not it. That's just the beginning. So I want to run with this analogy of thinking about this water and continually drinking this water, this living water. And I want to look at Paul and Silas. We saw the, the, the brethren, the people, uh, the Jews back in Jeremiah's day. We see that uh, they were not drinking the living water and what God considered them broken cisterns that carry no water. But now let's look at two guys who do drink this water, who do have this water a part of them. Verse 16, Acts 16, verse 16. Now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us 
who has brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that her hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us. Being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Think about that. You have the ability to take a spirit out by Jesus. You do this in His name. And what do you get because of doing that? Beat with a rod. till you have stripes on your back. And not only that, you get thrown into prison. The inner prison with stocks on your feet and your hands. What does drinking of the living water teach us? How to handle adversity. Here was the situation that they was presented with. Here was the situation that the cards got dealt to them, right? And what did they do? They were praying and singing hymns to God. Would you do that? Would you be in that type of situation? Would you be so focused on doing God's will that that's what you would say? I don't know about if I would. I'd be like, Lord, really? Here I am trying to do your will and I get beat and I get thrown into jail. This is really what I get for this deal? But they were continually drinking this water. And when you understand that, listen to this verse. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. No matter what we go through, no matter what happens to us on this earth, nothing will compare to heaven. Nothing. I don't care what you do to me. Yeah, I might be sad. Yeah, I might be down. Yeah, it might be unfair. But guess what? Heaven is on the other side. Hallelujah and amen. 
They weren't changed. They weren't swayed by this tough situation. They praised God. But what did that do? Let's keep reading verse, at the end of verse 25. It says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and guess what happened? The prisoners were listening to them. Drinking of the living water makes us examples to others. It automatically does. When I seek first the Lord and I do His will and I do the things that I'm supposed to do, you know what? The person that I may be trying to search out somebody who's struggling in their faith. I may be trying to go and encourage them. And guess what? They're not doing it. But guess what? Two other people are watching you. And they're encouraged by it. I talk to brethren now that are sometimes discouraged about I've talked to such and such and they just don't want to hear me. But you know what? Their perseverance and their continuance to do it encourages me. It, it encourages me. It's contagious to me. Well, what can I do to help? What can I do to be a part of that? Do I need to call? Do I need to text? Do I need to go visit? What do I need to do to help? But guess what happens? If we've forsaken the Lord and His Word, we ain't trying to think about that because we're too worried about building our own cistern. This real nice one that's going to hold all this water. It's nice. I love it. I love how it looks. But not Paul and Silas. They were singing and praying hymns to God. And guess what? People were listening to them. They were listening. Whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we're wherever we're at, guess what? People are watching you. And guess what else, parents? Kids are watching you. We show our children what our top priorities are. Think about that for a minute. Whether we want to admit it or not, we show our children what is the top priority in our life. And why that's so important is because when we don't put God first in our lives... Others who don't go to church, children who are in our home, family members that come around us, don't get the chance to see how Christians act. They don't get to see it. Brethren, we're the light of the world, and you know I love this part when Jesus says, you're a city that is set on a hill. You're set on it. It's not moving. You're set on the hill. The third and final thing. Look at verses 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Here's an earthquake that happens. 
The keeper of the prison is like, everybody done left. I probably, I'm not going to lie. If I was in jail right then and the earthquake hit, guess where I would have been? Gone. Hey, man, I'm going to holler at you later, Silas, but I'm out of here, dude. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of here. And the keeper of the prison, verse 27, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But but Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Nobody left. Nobody left. And look what happens. Then he called for a light. He ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? This is amazing. Your example is unbelievable. What must I do to get some of this? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The last thing I want us to think about is drinking of the living water lets us lead others to it. Isn't that amazing? I can take you to somebody. I can take you to the one who can save your life. I can take you to the one that can make you brand new. I can take you to the one who can make your sins be gone. I can take you to the one that can let you be reconciled to God and have a relationship with Him. And when you ask for forgiveness, guess what? He forgives you. I can take you to Him. And I've done it because of my example. I've done it because through adversity, I persevered through it. I kept pushing on. Because heaven is on the other side. I got a reward coming. You know what, brethren? My life is tough sometimes. Sometimes I get down. You ever been there? You ever been down? You're here today and you're down, maybe struggling to go through life. Keep pushing. You're effective as a Christian, you personally. Don't forget it. You can lead them to this guy who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the question today. Here's the question. Two pictures presented in front of you. Which one are you? Are you building your own cistern? You got a real nice one that's set up? That's going to hold all this water for you because you know how to do it. You've been doing it. Or are you drinking of the living water? 
the living water. Jesus told her, if you drink the water that I can give you, guess what? You'll never thirst again, man. I don't ever want to be thirsty spiritually again. I don't ever want to fall back into the ways that I used to live. I don't ever want to fall back and be okay with how I used to be. I want to change others' lives. I want to affect other people's lives. I'm not the only one that can affect people's lives. The elders aren't the only ones that can affect others' lives. The, 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 the deacons aren't the only ones that can affect other people's lives. It's the disciples who change people's lives. And that's us. Every single member of the Lord's body is a disciple. But have we forsaken the gift we've been given? That's the challenge, brethren. I love y'all and I appreciate y'all so much. Maybe somebody's here and they need to be saved. Maybe they need to be added to the body of Christ. It's time to get serious, brethren, about what's going on in the world. The world is fading away. People are dying. People are hurting. People are struggling. People are choosing other options to satisfy their need to be helped. Let's go show them the truth. Let's go give them that water. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Believe in who he is, believe in what he did. Being willing to repent and turn from your sins. Turn from your sins and turn to him. Being willing to confess his name before men. And being baptized in water for the remission, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you begin that journey. That faithful journey. That when you die, you receive a crown, a crown of life. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need to get some things straight in your life. Maybe it's time to live for Him all the way. Whatever it is, come right now together we stand and sing.